want to welcome everyone to a special edition of the Cold World Podcast. We have some you know, breaking news out of Knoxville today. And um, because it's coming out of Knoxville, I want to, I want to throw it to Billy Ratliff, who's, who's, who's with me today. Billy, what, what's going on in Knoxville, man? Man, it is, it's just almost like the name of the show, man. Cold world right now, man. It's, it is a disaster right now, man. But it is what it is, man. I mean, I didn't expect it, you know, like the way it happened, but it is what it is, man. The coach. Did you see this in the tea leaves, though? Because um, once, well, let me take it back a step. Let's So let's give the overall timeline of, of the Pruitt um, exit. So we, we had this discussion a little bit earlier. We talked about him, whether he was on the hot seat or not. And I think we can universally agree that his seat was a bit warm at the time, but we didn't know if it was really time to pull the trigger, if it was time to, you know, to make that move, considering, you know, when the pandemic, the way the season went, um, it, what we have going on with the other coaches and, and you know, with the, with the buyouts and things of that nature, was it the right time to do it? Um, I, I think that once they got wind of there were some things that, you know, maybe give them a reason to let him go cause, I think that just accelerated his exit. And when that whole event, once that started, I, you could pretty much see that it, it was his time was over. And then the Kevin Steele, bringing in Kevin Steele was just the, the cherry on top. So I, what, what's your take and what are you hearing about everything that's going on with that, first of all? before we get into what this means. Well, I'm, I'm still on the outside looking in as far as what, what actually they're being, um, what he got fired for. You know, I'm still thinking it's the recruiting violations, but I personally, I'm going to say it's a little bit more to it than just that. Um, because, I mean, we would know something more detailed if it was recruiting violations as far as if it was paying kids or something like that. Um, I still think there's more to it than what they're telling us. Um, because... ESPN, the world typically knows exactly when it happens. If it's a recruiting situation, they have gotten leaked or something that they would tell us that such and such player was paid or this hit kid with this, but we haven't heard that yet. And for coach, coach to retire right now and, and them firing Coach Pruitt, we still have some information to get. So... And what I, I agree with you on that. If there was a, a one particular kid or one situation that there was a violation with, we usually would have heard about that by now. It may be something that was just system, systemically going on to where I, 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 I talked to somebody earlier. I was like, gross incompetence right now is enough for the way that he was able to recruit, but he wasn't able to develop and to do some other things. And it's like, you know, we've heard the jokes and people have asked me, it's like, how do you, how do you get caught for cheating and then you're not six? At least you, you know, a lot of times you see someone, they've had to, you know, vacate titles or vacate wins because they got caught cheating. Well, we got accused allegedly right now of cheating, but didn't have any, didn't have much to show for right now. How does that exactly happen? And you just touched on uh, coach retiring. And when we say coach, everybody knows what we're talking about. There's the coach, uh, coach former in Knoxville. How, what do you feel about that situation? And, the tenure and what, what that means for the program. Now we're replacing athletic director and the coach and basically the whole coaching staff at this point. You know, when, when I heard that, you know, coach were retiring, it wasn't something that was, 
you know, new to me in a sense, because I know coach, you know, he, he's already put his work in and as far as, you know, in the coaching world or just Tennessee alone, you know, he's done his, his job, you know, and, and I think coach, like when, when you was talking about it earlier that he was there to basically kind of fix it in a sense of putting a bandaid on it and, and, and hope that it was heading in the right direction as far as not just football, but the overall UT, Tennessee period, you know, putting that brand back together because we had lost that for a long time. And when I heard that he retired, you know, I was like, okay, I think coach is gonna, you know, he's getting out right now just to be, not just because coach is getting fired, but you know, that's still him, you know, that's his guy that he brought in. And I think he didn't want it to be where, let's say that he got fired and then Coach Former get fired because of his hiring of Coach Pruitt. I think he went out on his own instead of letting someone fire him again. He, right, he didn't get a chance to do that before. And I think that was big. And you, I, I look at it from the standpoint of, if you look at what Coach was doing before he took the job and you were talking to him, I was talking to him on a regular basis. I know he was about his family, about his kids, his grandkids. That's all he talked about. He wasn't really talking about sports, football. Anytime I had conversations with him over the years in between, you know, a couple, three, four years after he got fired and that period in between before he took the job, we rarely ever talked about sports. And I think he sacrificed to take that job just for the sake of the university to try to right that ship. And, you know, some other things that he did um, over the athletic department, like like you said, about the branding, about um, bringing the Lady Vols back, about bring, what the, I think the main thing that he did was to reconnect the alumni. Because with some of the, the athletic director, the leadership, some of the coaches that had been there, there, there was a gap that just kept widening every time we, we had somebody that was there and players didn't feel connected to it. And that's the players who were there and the player and, and you know, the guys who, with former players, there was just a huge gap. And, and Coach was, was make, making strides to really fix that and to reconnect what we had going because that's a, such an important part of why we've been successful over the years. I, I tell people all the time that that mid to late 90s era, we were so successful because of the people that came before us, the early 90s, late 80s and beyond. We just kept passing down certain things that we learned and things that we knew to, to grow the program and to make successful and he was intentionally trying to bring that back whereas before there were coaches and leadership and people purposely trying to disconnect and keep us away from that program and you know that's something that coach and I think he, whoever comes in has to continue what he was doing doing there but just the, the sacrifice I, I call it a sacrifice but I, I don't know if he, he he did that to just try to to try to right the ship get the program back so but he did he staked his legacy as an AD on uh Jeremy Pruitt and that's gonna you know have a little stain just because of the way it ended so well here you know I'm with you there man I mean coach if you know I, I think you know he did his thing to try to get Tennessee back on the top or at least do what he did was get us back in the mix being talked about once again um now Things that I'm, I'm I'm praying and hoping for right now, and I mean, right now we need a bandaid right now. Well, and I don't think we need a bandaid. I think we, <laughs> I think we, we need, need a bandaid right now because the reason I say that because um, the bleeding hadn't even really started. 
you know, and, and I'm saying a Band-Aid right now just to soak it up because with this firing or whatever, getting a new coach, it's, it's, it's a truly, truly, when I call it rebuild, it's a total rebuild again. You know, we don't even have a chance, you know, as far as a foundation. It's been a while since we got a even chance to even pour concrete. And right now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go back to what I said when, I, when Coach Former was fired. This will set us back another five years. And I'm saying five just because I do think the higher that they do come in, I don't think it would be a home run, whoever they get, because right now, if it's going to be Kevin Steele, we're going to have a, still have some work to do because we still need what everybody else is getting that we're missing and not say offensive genius, because that's the only thing that work as far as being successful now in college football. So, so follow me on this. So I, I agree with you on a lot of your points that you just made. Um, I don't know, like the Band-Aid, we may need a tourniquet more so than a Band-Aid because it, it's, we all know that it's coming. I, I definitely agree with your last point about what type of head coach we need. I mean, Pruitt and some of the, as you'll see, as I look at the saving disciples that keep getting these jobs and they're defensive-minded. You know, outside of Sark, you know, Lane was kind of doing his thing before then, but I agree with your point of what type of coach do we need, someone who is, because you're not going to win with defense. You have to have a defense that are, that's going to stand up and stop people when you need to, but you're not going to have a, just the primary defense-focused dominant team and win at a high level right now. That's just not the way college football works. And I think that a name that, let me throw a name out at you and you'll see if, if, if you have this person as a head coach and you have uh, Coach Steele as your defensive coordinator. There's another defensive coordinator that's out there right now in Knoxville that doesn't have a job. And we'll get to that in a minute. Is that another potential um, hire for staff? But, you know, looking at Hugh Freeze, he's the, the, the big name that's out there. There's two. I want to say, you know, Hugh Freeze, Gus Malzahn. So if you can get either of these guys and you get someone like a Coach Tavis, Kevin Steele, to come in to run your defense, what what does does that five-year time frame still look like it's what's in front of us? So can we turn it around quicker with a situation like that? Um, I don't know, man. I, I don't think that will um, adjust the five-year period. Um, just because there's so much more to it that needs to be fixed within the program. Um, because, you know, we look at our team that we had last year with all the, the problems that we had offensively. You know, we're talking about offensive line, quarterback. Um, I must say running back too, even though we had a couple of guys that did good, but you know, there's some reasons to say them in the mix because the quarterbacks still get hit. They didn't do their blocking assignments. You know, there's still things that I look at with, you know, I guess people don't understand that when it comes from someone that just watches and see what it just, not just one player that messes up. 
to make things happen. Um, like, you know, they got Jay Graham over there. They got T over there. They got other guys over there. You know, it takes, you know, a couple of years to, to get these guys to understand what it takes to be successful. I still think we need an offensive line coach. We need a D-line coach. We need a whole lot of coaches. And it takes a collective amount of guys to be together for so long till it becomes a clock where it's all on the same page to make it become successful. You know, I mean, everybody always bring up Alabama. Well, Alabama is successful because they are a clock right now. They're synchronizing in every part of the situation. And then they ask me this, well, they just lost their offensive coordinator. Well, they may have lost their offensive coordinator, but you got to think about this here. You got three classes that are coming back that been through this football together. And only new people that's coming in is the incoming freshman and a new offensive coordinator. Now, the coordinator that's coming in, he's not going to change everything. He's going to plug in things that he think will make them better than what they was already doing. So I think we still, I think, you know, we're going to get some coaching that's going to be ready to recruit and instant bring those kids in and make these kids want to play for them. And 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 this was the part where Big Cat said the other night when when we was trying to say that Peyton would be good at it. The part that we were trying to say about the Peyton situation was what's going on right now. So now, speaking, let, me, let me jump in because you just said a name and you just brought up a situation. You mentioned T Martin, and it wasn't an oversight when I mentioned Hugh Freeze and Miles on. After, about his potential candidates. I wanted to talk about T by himself. Mm-hmm. As far as being an offensive coach, as someone that's qualified, someone that knows and understands the program and that cares about the program, I wanted to talk about him separately. You just gave me a segue to that. I, I have my thoughts. I would love to see that happen, but I also care about what he would be walking into and what that would do for him. Give me your thoughts about T being our new head coach, and what do you think that means and how that sets up? You know, I mean, my heart would love to see it happen, but me being me is being, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit personal with it because I love the guy, man. He was my teammate, and I wouldn't want him to go through something that he don't deserve yeah. off the bat. And And what I'm saying by that is, if T become our head coach right now, he's walking into a bad situation. You know, he's starting from scratch. And everybody would say, no, he's not. He's still got the same guys or whatever. No, 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 no. He is because we don't know the bad. We still don't know what the situation is as far as it can be recruiting violations where we go on probation and we're setting him up for failure. And I'm going to take it a step further from what you said. I'm, I'm like you. He's my teammate. I love him. We we all have that connection of what we did in 1998 together. So that's going to always be there. But just as a person and just what I know of him and everything else, walk like you mentioned, walking into the situation we have right now. And, and I'm going to go ahead and take it a step further and just 
go right at what I think part of the problem is. Our fan base has treated him horribly. He's never gotten the respect just off of before we get to the coaching part of it. He never got the respect he deserved for what he did. We all know that. Like they, they it took some time for people to, and I, I, I we have some speculation as to why that is, we but people did not give him the respect that he deserved. And then once he started his coaching career, um, even then he didn't get the respect he deserved. There was, and you know, there were particular coaches who, when he was a GA, I think they brought in Jim Bob Cooter instead of him. So that's that started and it going continued some of the disrespect of him at that point. And then you know when if you go through some of the things that he went through when he started his coaching career, and I think it was was Butch brought him in, interviewed him, but he he offered him something that he knew was disrespectful that T wasn't going to take. And when T didn't come in the first time it was offered. That gave the people who were already not giving him respect and 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 actually saying negative things. They brought in Jim Bob Cooper for things for them to use and to say. So when he you know came full circle, when he did come back, he came back on his own terms. And you know they started to warm up, but it's it's fragile to me. It's the minute he says or does something that they don't like or they can use, they're going to take it and run with it, and they're not going to give him. They being the fan base. They're not going to give him a fair shake. And he's going to, he's going to have to work, be twice as successful just to get the amount of credit he deserves. They're not going to give him any leeway. They're not going to be patient with him. They're not going to give him a chance to build for what we know that where we are right now, it's, I, I wish it was a better situation for him to walk into because I'd love to see him as a head coach. And with that, we just, we have another, um, another voice on the show right now. I know uh, Fred White Deuce is on. Um, is he ready? Is, is he in? Yeah, he hey, should. man. What's going on? What's going on, Frederick? How y'all, how y'all boys doing, man? I, I've been sitting here listening to you guys for a minute. Just, you know, both of you guys make very valid points when it comes to being, you know, to about tea and the situation and everything going on. Of course, we all got that news today that Coach Fulmer We'll be stepping down and that, you know, our head coach will be fired. We're back into the same thing again. Yeah. Here we go for another round. I'm sick and tired of it as a Vol fan. I'm pretty sure you guys are. And not just as a Vol fan, as a former Vol. I was going to say, as a, I'm you're, not tired a of Vol, man. you're not a former You're a Vol. Quit saying that. I know you're not a fan. You're a Vol. That, that's why you're tired of it. I'm tired of it, bro. I'm tired of being laughed at all the time. I'm tired of looking at our program, do the same thing over and over again. And I'm going to say this one more time, and I need everybody to listen, and I hope you're paying attention while I'm saying what I'm saying. Do not go back to a tree of a coach just because you think they can come bring what he has. It ain't none of them. It's the man himself. Stop going out to make saving people. Hire your people. How are your people? How are somebody that you know want to work at Tennessee? Look at the history of us since the, like the early 80s or whatever. Since when, when we started to become, become Tennessee again, when we became relevant, it was because we had somebody who was on that staff leading the charge that was a volunteer themselves. We have not been relevant without those coaches. Period. From Johnny Majors, 
to fill it full. And everything else in between, we've been poking around in the dark, just hoping and wishing that something may happen good. And, and dude, I think place. one reason some of these people they don't want to embrace or they're running away from that tradition that you're talking about. And some of the people, some of the assistant coaches, I mean, we went through that with Butch Dooley and it, it took yeah. a minute. They, they didn't want to bring in someone with that Tennessee connection to all these successful either coaches or time periods. And they're running away from some of our traditions. What do you, what do you think about that? I feel like, at this point, Jeff, is more so, for me, it's just, stop making dumb hires. And when I say making dumb hires, if you had an opportunity to hire this guy, Jeremy Pruitt, and you had T. Martin still sitting there, and neither one of them have been a head coach ever, but one had a better name than the other, and one was just starting quarterback on your national championship team, I don't think it could have been any worse than what we got right now. I'm pretty sure we'll be in a situation where we got violations for recruiting if that was the case. We'd be further along down the – down, and not his, but here's the thing, Jeff. I heard you guys both say the same thing about whether he or not – whether the teacher had opportunity or not. He should have already had one. If you were going to get Jamie Pruitt this opportunity, that probably – that should have went to teach. But well, I want to say this. No, I feel the, like going, the, going, going forward, going forward, whoever this next athletic director is, I doubt they will give a chance to him. I doubt they will. Now, do I think he should have one? Does he deserve one? I thought he deserved one before that. Right. And also, you said it before, yeah, Tennessee fans have treated him bad. I heard people saying, I lived in Knoxville all, longer than anybody that played on my team in the National Championship. I, I lived up for longer of anybody other than Coach Fulmer. I heard the stuff people said about him. It was terrible. I heard the things that, the terrible things about him. I remember at one point they were talking about he's not VFL because he didn't want to come back and coach. Where's Joe? <laughs> I mean, you, how are you going to tell me that man is not? Don't ever say that again. And don't say it in my presence because well, be able to also, they don't have the right to, to, they don't know that out about yeah. who fans First of all, they, they don't have no, listen, they don't have no right to say nothing about anybody being a VFL. That is not your call. Right. You're not even in the room when that call is being made. You ain't right. even on the phone, on the text, or nothing. You just hear it after we say it. You just, you just knew. Even, we would knew I'd be a part of that that, 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 that. that answer would not ever come out from you. And you'll never be privy to it. Right. Period. So what, 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 what does that take us now, dude? So, like, I know... We can rehash. We can talk. I mean, and I agree with you. I, we, we, me and you talked. I, I, we felt like we know he should have gotten an opportunity before, but we are where we are right now. I know you just said the new person. You don't think it's going to give him an opportunity. So where, where, where do we go? Well, because here's the thing. You, Greg Wong hit it, hit it on the head with the, with the violation. Think about it. Okay, you got violations. What are they going to do? Are we going to be on a two year? Are we going to be on three year? Are we going to be on four year? What is it going to be? But we're going to get something. We're going to get some kind of punishment, or we're going to have to punish ourselves, one or the other, which is probably going to be both. Probably going to be one year of us punishing ourselves and another year of the NCAA doing it. So well, you're, putting think, the, you're putting the guy, whoever comes in to be the coach at this point, whoever, whoever is put in a position to be the coach at this point, they're going to be behind. And they're going to need the program to be very patient because they're already working from behind. 
Right. They're working from behind because you're going to get, listen, we're going to lose some scholarships. I'm pretty sure of it. But what else is coming behind it? If this violation is like what they're talking about, you, there's no way we get out of this without having some loss of uh, scholarships. There's right. no way. Who's going to navigate us through this? Hey, get, let's start with the AD first because that's going to make the hot. Give me some names for the AD. You know, before Coach Fulman, before they even hired the other guy, that uh, John Curry, they were talking about um, um, former player. He does commentary right now, Charles Davis. Charles Another Davis. guy that's out there that's a UT guy, and these are just UT guys in the Another guy that's out there that's a UT guy is Mark Ingram. He's the athletic director at UAB. They just brought their football program back under him. Another guy who's out there that's an AD is Mickey Allen. He played football on the national championship team. He's been yeah. working at University of Tennessee for a year. He just yeah. literally, he just recently got the job at TSU as athletic director there. He just took that job. So those are just three names. Took. Charles Davis, Mickey Allen, Mark Ingram. So those are the three names you, you're either hearing or endorsing right now. It's somebody that needs to be considered. Well, those are Tennessee guys. Those are doc, those are Tennessee guys. They played at Tennessee, and they've done very well for themselves going forward with Tennessee. So when it comes to names as athletic directors that we want to look at, if we want to look at our own guys, there you have it, right there. Right. And another guy that I, I don't know where he is, but Dave Blackburn was a really good guy. I thought he, was a, I thought he would have been a good athletic director as well, Tennessee guy. But – I don't know if we're going to go with a Tennessee guy or if we're going to go with someone who's from Alabama again or from Florida or wherever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. We shall see what happens. So now with that being so we're, we're waiting on the AD search. Head coach, what do you see? That, and I know it depends know on go the pick. Who would you like to see considered? We, we obviously know T. So we, we know that we're going to put that one. We, we know that's on the list. Who else would you think would be a good fit? And who do you think that they would, they're going to try to go after? Well, some, some, there's a little inkling that I have that the reason why Kevin Steele was brought in because they knew other things about to happen. And he will probably be considered an interim coach or he's definitely going to get an opportunity to interview for the head coaching position. I think that's for sure is going to happen. I mean, there's no other reason when you bring him in, you can't hire any other coaches. When you, if, if you didn't want that to be part of the play. You know what I mean? If he's already on the staff, he's very easy to interview. So that's the person I know is going to be getting an opportunity to, be, to get the job, in my opinion. Now, if I'm looking at coaches this year, Hugh Freeze is not a guy I want to bring in. If you just had a situation, it's just like when, uh, when uh, Bruce Pearl left. You can't bring in a, a, a Kendall, a guy who's – how can you bring in somebody who's just coming out the same thing? You're setting yourself up for failure again. Or go with someone else. Now, you can go out to the top coaches, but the guy at Coastal Carolina, I can't remember his name, but he's a good coach. I think would be a guy. Brent Venable. Nobody's ever tried to even actually Carolina give him the job. No. no. Keep, huh? keep the Coastal Carolina coach at Coastal Carolina. We don't, we don't need that. No. I, listen, I get where you're coming from, but I think he's a really good coach. Good offense of mine. He's something that's, that's what we see in the game right now. They put up a lot of toys. In the SEC, if you can't put up at least 30, 35 points, you can't win games. And we haven't been able to do that in a long time. So I know everybody wants to coach this, the defensive guy. Man, get your offensive guy here right now who can move the ball, put some points on the board. That's what we need right now. We need an offensive mind, in my opinion. And you make, and his job will be to find him a defensive guy that he knows can get the job done. But we need some points to be put on the board at this moment. Yes. And we're not doing that. We haven't done a very good job of that in the last few years. 
And that's what I've been talking about right there, JC. And that's what I keep telling everybody. I mean, that's the only thing that's the SEC, I mean, football now in general, because defense, we can't hit anybody anymore. So why not go out and get one of the best offensive-minded guys out there? And, and I like what you know, Fred said, you know, with the Coastal Carolina people. They got some guys on that staff that can come here and be successful. And also, if you think about this too, Jeff, they would be cheap. They won't be that expensive based off the salaries they're making right now. And being if you put those additional accelerators in their contracts, if they win this year, they do the APR this year, and they get up to $2 million a year, these guys are going to work their asses off. Let me ask you a question. Why, why, why didn't the University of South Carolina go after this guy? He's right there. He was right there in state. People were clamoring for why, why do you think they didn't go after him? No, here, here's the reason why. My cousin's on that board over there. He's on that. They already knew who they wanted to hire before the season got started. They, he was on their list already. He was on their list already. They were already looking for a coach. They knew they were going to fire him either way or which. They had already told him, basically, toward the end of the year, everybody basically, we'll, we'll let you finish the season out. What we don't want you to do is have any mishaps, like we're talking about the, the reporters or uh, anything like that. He had one incident, and they fired him after that. He's on, he they already get fired at the end of the year. They already knew who they were going to hire them. That's the whole point. They knew who they were going to hire. Okay. We don't know that. We don't have anybody in the pipeline. They knew they were going to hire this guy before this. That's why they hired him so fast. You see that? They already knew they were going to hire him before the season ended. So this, this is when the first, season, at season okay. end, they were going to fire Gun Camp anyway. So me, me and Billy talked about this. This is going to be an extended, for lack of a better word, shit show. We're going to be having, this is the first of many conversations we're going to have about this. We wanted to jump on. Dude, appreciate you jumping on and giving your perspective on this too, Deuce. And I, I know Warren for, for jumping on so quick um, just to give some people some, some quick insight on this. But we, we're definitely going to have many, many conversations about this in the next couple of weeks. But before we sign off, I know I wanted to, of course, we have to acknowledge today the MLK Day. Just want to acknowledge that and the great works and the great things that he did. And just to end it with, you know, the time is always right to do what is right. And that's in the words of MLK. So thanks everybody for tuning in.